Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So, mud runs, obstacle races, they're all the rage right now. It seems like they've replaced 5Ks as the thing you do on the weekend. The big ones, some of you have probably done some of them, Spartan Race, Tough Mudder, Warrior Dash. What's interesting, besides these big national, international obstacle races that are going on, there's also several regional obstacle races that you can only go to them in a certain area of the country. And there's actually a regional race here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's called Conquer the Gauntlet. It's owned and operated by two brothers, Stephen and David Main Prize. And I really enjoyed it. It was it had a lot more obstacles than I than some of the other mud runs that I've done. But what I liked about it, there's just a little more low-key, had more of a community feel to it than some of those big giant ones that I've been to. And so after the uh, mud run, I wanted to get them on the podcast to talk about the business of regional obstacle races and mud runs and what it takes to run and set up an obstacle race. So here on the podcast, we're going to talk about why these guys started Conquer the Gauntlet and what's involved in running a race that has over 30 obstacles and the logistics that it takes to put something on like that. So let's do this. Stephen and David Mainprize, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. We're glad to be here. Yeah, we're pumped about it. We're we're grateful that you let us be a part of the all the manliness that's going on over there. Well, I can see you uh, in the video. You guys can't see me. My camera's not working, but one of you has an awesome beard. That's Stephen. <laughs> hey, I'm working on it. <laughs> David, you got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, I just started. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you guys are the founders and owners of an obstacle race um, called Conquer the Gauntlet. Uh, it's based out of, uh, I guess that is that out, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, All right. So, um, how did you guys tell me the story? Why did you guys start an obstacle race when there's a whole bunch of different obstacle races out there? I mean, what's the background? Well, we started in uh, about probably late 2011, uh, early 2012, is when we actually kind of formed the business. Uh, and kind of around that time, they, these races were kind of picking up in popularity, but. Uh, at that time, there was really only races that were backed by really big corporations, really big companies that uh, kind of cared about one thing, and that was making a profit at the end of the year. There was basically the really big ones, you know, your Tough Mudder, your Spartan, your Warrior Dash, really those three. And then there were local ones, which were kind of seen as a mud run or a joke. Like, they weren't really for the elite runner. So we kind of wanted to start one that wasn't based on, like, how do we make $70 million a year, but more how do we connect with 70 million people and make them push themselves and not be worried about how much money we make. So I think that's kind of where the, the passion for why we started it. Yeah. I mean, was there something in particular that, I mean, I guess, did you do mud runs before you started the, the gauntlet? We, I, we had all, all talked about uh, doing the warrior dash when I think first came to Tulsa in 2010 or 2011. I'm not sure, but you know, at the end of the day, we were like, well, that costs a lot of money. It looks like a lot of lines, a lot of fees and not a lot of, really cool obstacles. And so we decided, well, why don't we make something that has as many obstacles as maybe a 10 to 12 mile race, like a Tough Mudder, but is maybe a little bit shorter in running distance. Um, that's kind of where the the melding of the idea came from. And then we just kind of went from there and it just snowballed. Okay. So yeah, whenever I look at these obstacle courses, because I've done a few of them and I, I, whenever I look at them from like a business perspective, I'm like, these things look like they're just crazy to put on. I mean, the logistics look nuts. You have to find a location, uh, I mean, can you tell us what goes on into putting on an, a Conquer the Gauntlet obstacle race? Uh, you wouldn't believe the logistics. I, actually, it's funny you bring that up. The, 
to find the land is sometimes the, the toughest when you got to find 200 acres that also has parking uh, with someone that's cool with you, you know, digging up huge 25 by 10 foot wide mud pits um, and all that kind of, that's one of the tougher things. I mean, we're our, we, our last event in 2014 was September 22nd this year in Little Rock and on October 1st, so eight days later, we're already planning our first event for 2015. And we are a little bit smaller. I'm sure a lot of the other races that have huge overhead have people that are just constantly doing that. But really it's me, David, and my wife, Courtney, the three of us do everything. We don't have any other hired uh, people that do anything for us. So the logistics of just volunteers, porta potties, trash, dumpsters, mud pits, water trucks, backhoes, forklifts, two by fours, we're out of screws, uh, all that kind of stuff is, it's definitely, it's worth it because it's awesome, but there's a lot of lot of that logistics that people don't see uh, when they come to the event. They're like, oh, why do we have to wait in the line for two seconds? It's like, well, there's 2,500 people here, so we're trying to get them all through this thing in four hours, so it's not going to be, that's one of the things that's frustrating, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is when we started, I mean, you know, it sounds great to have a four-mile race of 25 obstacles. I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. Who wouldn't want to own that? And I mean, you know, we could tell you some more stories from the, the beginning when there was just two of us or three of us or four of us out there trying to set up all night long before our first race. But, you know, as we've gone through, we've kind of, you know, created a standard operating procedure and we, we have a setup that takes, you know, a certain amount of time for each race. Um, you know, it's, we, we show up about two weeks before and it's just really our, us and our family and our friends that uh, help create everything that we do. So you guys actually build the obstacles. It's like you two. Yeah, we build, there's not anything out there that anyone else has built. It's just us. We go to Lowe's or Home Depot or maybe a, a lot of times I like to try to use local companies here in Tulsa. Eminem Lumber is one of them. We'll just really we, we call around and search to see who has the cheapest price on two by four, two by six, six by six, two by eight, whatever we need that day. And we'll go pick it up in my, my beat up old 1989 Chevrolet pickup truck. And load that thing up till the tires are about to pop. Bring it back to the warehouse and start designing something. Well, how do you guys come up with obstacles? Because you, because I did the the race. Uh, I guess it was in August, I think. Yeah, that was our our last race. I think probably uh, our, our biggest one we've ever had. Yeah, right? August twenty third was the Tulsa one. Yeah. Yeah, and then like some of these things were pretty nuts. Like I had never seen yeah. anything in in like in other mud runs that I have done. So how do you guys come up with the your obstacles? I think. Uh, well, me and David both played a ton of sports growing up in high school. David actually played college uh, soccer. So we're both uh, pretty physically fit. I do CrossFit every day here. So we, I think we try to think of things that will push us, but also that are at least attemptable by someone that's never done a, an event before. A lot of people that come to our race have never done an obstacle course race. That might be their first fitness event ever. So we really make every effort to be creative in a unique way that, young and old extremely fit and those new to fitness can have fun doing it uh, but still something that if, if me and or him were to try it it's going to be difficult to do and not extremely easy yeah the one that got me i was doing pretty well and i was like i was pretty felt pretty good at myself and i got to the one where it's like it's like stair steps but you had to use your hands stairway to heaven stairway to heaven then i got to the other side and there was i don't know what you guys had there what it, what was that devilish stuff you put on there like i just slipped and i just fell into the the mud pit it was probably vaseline to, to be honest that's the first event we've ever done that with we've had uh i guess kind of mixed reviews on it. i, I don't, we'll never do it again i don't think that was cruel man 
Uh, it, we had a lot of people complain about it. Some people liked it. A lot of people didn't. So uh, we, I don't think we'll be doing that again. But even without that, it's still it's still pretty difficult. It was beastly. And I guess you had some Vaseline on the monkey bars at the end. I didn't have any problem with that. Yeah. But, what did uh, you think of the five walls in a row? Was that hard for you? That was tough. That was yeah. really hard. Um, and I mean, yeah, there's some crazy stuff. So the monkey bars was pretty, it was insane. Uh, the stairway to heaven was difficult. Uh, you had one where you had to bust out some American Ninja Warrior skills where you could just, uh, yeah, it's like a board that wouldn't cross like a pond and you just had to like, like do it Rambo style. Like a balance beam pretty much. Yeah. But with your hands turned up on its, Oh yeah. That was like a, that's a dead man's drop. Yeah. That was hard too. That was tough. Yeah, that one's difficult. One of my favorites is is one called Tarzan Swing. It's kind of like the the monkey bars, but it's just one like Olympic type ring on a on a chain. You just swing from it and, and grab the next one. That one's that's kind of a fan favorite. Oh yeah, I, I bit the dust on that one too. Yeah, that one's tough. I mean, kind of back to your question. Um, Steve's really the, the the master of the course, if you will. He's the brains of the operation when it comes to obstacles. Um, and so he kind of came up with a lot of the, the marquee ones that we have, you know, our big ones. And and going back to kind of our overall theory, we didn't want to have small obstacles, you know. Kind of The way we broke in in the market was having so many and having them not just be, you know, oh, there's a little mud hill or, yeah, you crawled under some barbed wire. Like, you got to have big boys out there. And that's kind of what we want to be known for. Yeah, that's I, I, I love that. Um, so, yeah, I was talking about some of the things that we kind of hit on them a little bit. Um, but the big differences between you and the other mud races out there. So for starters, you're, you're four miles long, uh, right. but you cram yeah. in 25 to 30 obstacles. That's correct. Yep. And the Tulsa race you did, we had 32 actually, which Tulsa will usually have one or three or four more because it's just less money to, to transport, you know, everything. So we can save costs on transporting our tents and tables and maybe throw some more obstacles up. But we, we've never had an event with less than 25. Okay. And, um, I mean, how, what's the average on other mud runs, your competitors? Um, the average on other uh, mud runs, well, your your Warrior Dash is going to be 9 to 12. Um, the Spartan race, is, they have three races, Spartan does, um, and they range from probably 9 to 20. Uh, I know Tough Mudder's claim is 25, but I've done some Tough Mudders. The ones I did had 21 or 22. So I, I would definitely say we have the most obstacles. Um, of a race especially one that travels around you'll occasionally find one in, in some nook and cranny in some kind of weird place in the country where they just have a standing piece of land and they do their event like five times a year and that's a little different because they're not coming and setting it up but i think the average is probably between 10 and 20 let's say for for most so we're we're trying I mean, to be... i mean you've got you've got your 5k basically races that have 10 obstacles and then the you know like your spartans or your uh, tough mutters they're going to have longer races with more obstacles ours is kind of we want to, you know, pack everything into a smaller uh, area of running, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I when I did that, I, I've done a couple of the other ones. And yeah. I feel like with some of the other ones, I feel like I'm just doing a lot of running. Yeah. yeah. You know, be like, something else we wanted to cut out was if you want to, you want to go run 12 miles, find a treadmill. If you want to do a, an obstacle course race, come do like you're going to, as far as you're getting an obstacle two every quarter mile, maybe even two every eighth mile um at the ones that have 30 obstacles so you're not just jogging and like you know mindlessly running for a mile without seeing anything which is i think why tough mudder people think it's tough it's they, the tough thing about tough mudder isn't the obstacles it's that it's a half marathon yeah I, none that... of the obstacles are that tremendously difficult compared to you know, like a spartan sprint or even our race it's just 
when your legs have to do 12 miles of yeah, running, that's you're going to seem tired. But it's not the necessarily the obstacles themselves that, for some reason, they think they can charge $200 because they're setting up 20 obstacles because they found a piece of land that has 12 miles of running on it. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So uh, you have, it's more obstacles, but then your pricing is you know, refreshingly different from the other right. guys. Can you talk a bit about your pricing model um, sure. compared to the, the big guys? Yeah, well, what we did was we found out what we had to do just to stay in business and uh, didn't try to make it so much more than that as far as the profit side of it. Um, another thing that you'll find with the other races is sometimes people will go to our website and go, oh, it's it's $59 right now or $54 to sign up for Conquer the Gauntlet. They'll hop over to maybe Warrior Dash and go, oh, it's 55 for Warrior Dash too. But what's overlooked is that pricing model is kind of a lie because <laughs> <laughs> By the time you get through like that, all of the, I don't know if, which other races you sign up, you sign up online, but you go through the steps of the registration process and creating a profile. And, but that by the time you get done with it, that $55 turned into 72 because there was an $8 mandatory like insurance fee or some type of uh, convenience fee for online registration, which is the only way to sign up, which is ironic. And so by the time right. their 55 is not the same as ours, if ours says $55, it is $55. And the sign-up page is one. You just all we need your information, your name, date of birth, what's your shirt size, are you a dude or a chick? Oh, okay, pay us fifty-five dollars now to do the best run you're going to all year. So yeah. I think it's that's one thing. It's big difference is like even Spartan, it says sixty bucks, but you by the time you're done, there's a thirteen-dollar insurance fee and a seven-dollar um, convenience fee. So at, now you're at, you went from seventy to ninety. And then you pay twenty bucks for parking, twenty bucks for your spectators. I mean. Yeah, that. Yeah, I thought that was nuts um, about the uh, the spectator fee. You know, people paying. I think, I think one of them charged like forty bucks. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just weird. And we had a we had my wife's uncle did a, a tough mutter, and he, he kind of he did a rotary review about it on our site, and he just thought it was weird that they're charging forty dollars to see like people tromp around in the mud. Yeah. And he's like, you could go to the Boston Marathon and see world class athletes for free. Yeah. 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 It is true. true. Those big races, they they gotta make money for the corporations behind them. That's what it's all about. Well, I mean, I guess one argument they say is that these things are so expensive to put on, they have to do that. I mean, is that I mean, has that been your case? In, in you've seen that in your case? I mean, they they are expensive to put on. Sometimes people they're like they'll look at your race and go, Oh my goodness. You had a thousand people pay you fifty dollars. You just made a boatload of money. It's like, yeah, that's fifty thousand dollars. But an event itself costs between fifty and sixty. So for us, if we have a thousand people, me and Dave and Courtney, we have to work for free that race. And we're that, that's the thing. Like we're not just going to start charging spectators. But the thing is, when you get Tough Mudder, they get ten thousand runners that paid one hundred and twenty plus parking. You look at the money they're making. They don't need to charge spectating to make a profit. That's pretty much a bunch of malarkey gotcha the thing the thing other thing that was important to us is having a a place where people could come and encourage and cheer on their family and friends and, and really become part of the conquer the gauntlet family and community three of the things you'll always find on our website is character commitment community we want to, to provide an environment where people could show their character enhance their commitment and connect with their community and it's really hard to connect with your community if you're charging your community just to come watch. So since community is such a big thing for us, I don't need to make money off someone that wants to come cheer for their husband. If their husband was maybe overweight two years ago and he trained for a year and a half just to be able to do it, 
I want his wife and his kids to come be able to cheer for him and, and be proud of him, not have to fork out 80 bucks to do that. Gotcha. And another thing I appreciated about you guys was that you kept the heats pretty small. Whenever we looked at, at breaking into this market, I mean, we, we didn't just do it on a willy-nilly. We, we had a lot of time and, and planning and, and that went into it. You know, first of all, you've got the, the shorter distance race with as many obstacles as we have, and you've got the lower price with less fees, and then you've got, you know, just what happens there on race day. We, we, we time everyone, most races. Actually, I don't think any races do that anymore. So every single person gets a timing chip, and then you've got those every 15-minute waves. So instead of just herding, you know, 600 people together every hour, we, we break it up, which is a lot harder for us and more expensive. But it gives, I think, people a lot better race experience. There's no lines out there, you know. You're not just running with 600 people at one time. And so that that's those have kind of been those couple of keys, the ones you're hitting on are the reason why we've kind of seen the growth that we have. Yeah, the the being timed, I really appreciate it. Because we've done the Warrior Dash before for several years, and they timed you. And then, like, last yeah. year, they just, like, there's no timing chip. And we were like... Right. You have to be in the elite wave at that point to get a timing chip with Warrior Dash, I believe, now. And and. The thing that's cool for us is like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're running a two hour uh, time, you still want to know. Yeah. You still want to know. So you see if you beat yourself. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You want to get better and you, and you want to see that your name on that list of someone who conquered the gauntlet, you know, that's important to people. Definitely. So uh, here's a question I have right now. You guys um, limit your races to a pretty small geographic location. Where are you got, where are your races at right now? We're in Kansas city, Oklahoma city, Wichita, Kansas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Little Rock, Arkansas. And then this October, we're planning either a Tennessee or a Texas event. We're kind of, we're actually in the next three weeks, we'll be running some pre-registration ads just to see if there's interest in those areas. And then really between uh, kind of looking at three spots, Memphis, Nashville, or kind of like a West, West Texas area, whichever one of those we have the most people wanting our race, we'll, we'll bring it to them. Um, so planning six events next year, but yeah, kind of in this, I guess you'd call it like a Midwest slash Southeast area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, I guess that the feel of, of Tulsa is kind of like a Southern slash Midwest. And we kind of, everything right around there is where we'll go. Some of it's because it, it costs us, you know, because we're not getting 10,000 runners, but we try to, we're hoping to get 1500 to 2,500 runners and keep growing on those numbers because they're not huge. We can't, pay as much as other races to go everywhere also another thing people forget when they're looking at your cost is is your marketing a lot of other races will spend between 80 and ninety thousand dollars on one event on online ads we obviously don't have that budget so we have to do a lot more grassroots marketing things uh to get people to hear about us and then hope that they'll sign up for usually once people sign up for ours uh they'll come back we have a tremendously higher return rate to every other race because a lot of other people are let down Whereas ours, they come once and like, that was really fun and affordable, so I will be back. So that's one thing that we do save costs on is return customers, return runners, but uh, the initial marketing is so expensive. If you say, oh, I'm going to go to 20 events, you better have a lot of money for those. For each event, you better have it just to market with, and that's kind of one reason we're a little bit smaller. I think also just we just don't want to get, we don't want to get too big, and just that whole idea of smaller waves, less races is good too. Sometimes in America it's seen as bigger is better. And we don't agree with that necessarily. I think it's quantity over, over the, uh, or quality over the quantity. We want to have more great races and not just have junky ones that are just put on just a, Oh, tough Hunter does this tough Hunter's is going to have a race in Oklahoma this year. I'll guarantee you that's not the same race they're putting on in New York city. They're going to put on a much smaller race with less obstacles, less staff and spend less time setting it up than their race in Chicago 
LA or New York because the, if right. they can get 8,000 people in Oklahoma to do it, they don't, that's not as big as if they can get 17,000 people to do it in New York City. We don't want to do that. We always want to, anything we do, we're going to put our whole heart into it and make it as good as any Conquer the Gauntlet that you go to. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about that because as you guys grow in popularity, and it's, it's, it's nice to hear you guys say that you're, you're okay with not getting too big too fast. But it seems like with some of these mud races, as they've gotten bigger, the quality has gone down in the race. Oh yeah, there's been some, there's been some big name, high, high dollar races that have completely gone out of business. Um, the ones that had million dollars backing them, you know, and we started with literally an idea and a pickup truck. And we kind of had to slowly build sort of to where, you know, you see these races, they might have 3,000 people at a couple of their runs, and then they decide to try to go to 30 cities. Well, those races don't even exist anymore. Yeah. You know, when we go into a city, we want to be able to obviously put on a good race, but then there's, I mean, we can't market at 20 new cities. It's not possible. So that's kind of, that's kind of how that works. Good deal. So uh, staying small is part of the plan. That's great. I mean, being able to just just expand one or two cities a year and being able to do those in a, in a quality way to where people will come back. That sounds like a Southwest Airlines approach. Yeah, it's similar, it's similar it's to their similar. business model. Yeah, the, the thing is, even as slow as we're we're basically trying to to grow at our rate, not the rate that our competitors are, or maybe other maybe our runners like, man, why don't you come here? Why don't you come there? It's like we just can't yet. And so instead of sacrificing that quality just to have another event, we'll take our time and grow at our pace. But at the same time, we kind of have a cap. Like we're we're not ever going to be a forty events a year, even if we took yeah. ten years no. to do it. We just don't desire to be that because for, you have to think about. There's fifty two Saturdays every year. If you're doing forty events, that's just back to back to back to back, and it's like it just you just turn into a you're just running people through. Like you're just cattling people like herd or like just people are going through like cattle. You're herding them, and that's what we don't want to be. We want to be if you come to our race, you're an extremely unique conqueror and this is your day to get our best event the best we had so we would probably never go over uh 10 to 12 events even if we got the 12 events we wouldn't really do more, more than that we wouldn't do more cities than that we would just focus on making those events better as opposed to trying to go to more places it's definitely unique and it's, it's kind of odd and i'm sure if spartan owners were listening to this they would think we're morons but we just want to be different than them. Those other events that go everywhere already exist. There's at least five of them. That's another thing is we just, they exist. If you want to go do a 5k and act tough at a warrior dash and then chug a beer at the end, you're more than welcome to that event already exists. We don't, we didn't see the need in duplicating that event for the 50,000th time. Every other events pretty much the same. Come run, get a watered down experience. Here's a beer. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just why ours is different because if you want to do that, it already exists. We didn't see the point in duplicating it again in the cities we go to. Very cool. Um, so here's a question I have. It's sort of personal because I've always wondered about it. Like, how do you train for these things? Because, like, I'll sign up for one, and then I, I kind of, like, I, I'm, I'm a pretty fit guy, but, you know, obstacle sure. races are different from, you know, your typical, I don't, know, there's, I don't know. How do you train for this so that you know you can manage every obstacle you're about to handle? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think first of all, I mean, you got to have the cardio. You got to be able to run four miles at a good pace. And another thing is like, you know, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to have a, a an elite time, or are you trying to just get through it? You know, um, with our race, I would say grip strength is probably and upper body strength are tested in our race more than any other race in the world. I, I would venture to say. Yeah, it was tough. That, I mean, that's that's what I went out on. I think there's ten walls in our race, if not more. 
Uh, you got the monkey bars, you got the stairway to heaven, you got the Tarzan swing, not to mention whatever else is out there. Dead man's drop. That's a lot of grip strength. So, I mean, pull-ups, I mean, anything that you can work on your grip strength with, um, upper body strength, you know, being as lean as possible. The, the big football type player guys that come out there, you know, you're six foot three, 210 pound massive guy, 230 pound, whatever. He's going to have more trouble than your five, nine, 160 pound guy. So I think you want to be lean. You want to have grip strength and upper body strength. And Steve, what do you have to add to that? I think the, the key, is, as far as what you're going to train for, train doing body weight things. Yeah. That's going to be tested. Um, if you're, I mean, not saying you have to totally drop lifting weights if you're a big lifter, but go to like more push-ups as opposed to just bench press instead of throwing that mass on. And so again, if you're if you're just coming through with some buddies, do whatever you want to do to get through it. But if you're wanting to have a good time and, and improve on your time from last year, pull-ups. Do pull-ups, do pull-ups, do pull-ups, because that's going to help your grip strength, and it's going to make you want to lose weight. If you can shed five pounds, that that's hit five pounds you don't have to lift every time you're doing a pull-up. So I think body weight stuff's the key. Doing like air squats, push-ups, pull-ups, and then I think another thing: people train, they go to Planet Fitness or you know whatever, Ten Gym or one of these, just like ten bucks a month, they just jump on the treadmill and jog four miles. Jogging four miles outside is completely different than the treadmill with the TV. Especially on that terrain we put you on. Yeah. So running on grass uh, is is huge too. Some people even run. We don't have well, obviously our race isn't on asphalt. There's only one Goonie race I've ever heard of trying to do that, and they went out of business. But uh, as far as obstacle race, um, but uh, doing it on grass I think is key. Running on grass, that's what you're going to be running on. Trail running. Trail running, doing stuff like that. Is, is a key to, to it. Body weight stuff, cardio, running on grass, pull-ups. If you do that, you'll be fine. Another thing is how different is it to run a couple miles versus running a couple miles wet? Yeah, people forget how bogged down your shoes are going to get when they get wet. Close your time. Down. So maybe jump in a pool, then go run a little bit. <laughs> All right, so what do you guys uh, think is the future of obstacle racing? So this, this has been around for, I, I mean, I guess would say five years, six years. Since six years, yeah, I think 08 or 09 was when they actually started kind of ramping up and people really started getting into them. I mean, do you guys think this is a fad or do you think this is something that's going to stick around for a while? I mean, I'm sure you guys think about that all the time, right, as as, as business too. owners. Like, how long is this going to last and how can we make it last? I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it will it will last a long time if the events become more quality. I think just like anything, if, if every time some people start keep signing up for these and putting their $50 of faith or $90 of faith in, into that a run will be fun, challenging, and unique, and they go to someone they aren't what they expected or they didn't have the obstacle they did, that's going to turn those people away from doing the quality ones like we think ours is. The more companies that just try to go big and just, you know, oh, we're just going to have 50 events one every Saturday and go to every big city in the U S to try to make money. They're actually hurting the small guys because they're putting on events of less quality and the, 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 the common public, that's not your obstacle course racer. They're just going to see that as like, Oh, well, that's what all those events are, I guess. So they're, they're all kind of just like trying to get my $50 and put on a quick cheap thing. I think that's the only thing that could really hurt it necessarily, but I, I, it's grown so much. We already have, you know, in just the runners, we have hundreds of runners that come to each of our events that they do seven or eight events a year. And it's almost like that's their fitness training. It's they, they try to do eight to 10 a year and it's what they look forward to doing. So those kind of runners we love because they come to us every year and they come and say, Hey, your event's still my favorite. I did three Spartans, a Tough Mudder, two Warrior Dashes, and yours is tougher. You just don't have the money to market it. But I wish you did because yours is so much, the run is so much more challenging. So I think staying quality, is something that 
everybody needs to focus on, probably us included. There's ways we could improve our quality as well, but I don't see it as a fad either way. I think 5Ks and marathons have been around for decades and decades. I mean, marathons for hundreds of thousands of years, and then more recently, just five, like your local 5K, there's, there's one a month in every city, and all of these are is just like a 5K or more with more fun stuff. So if 5Ks didn't die out, I don't see how these would really. Very cool. I think with any market, you're going to see, you know, you saw the explosion. And then last year, a lot of, of even somewhat bigger and a ton of more regional races went out of business to where you're going to, you know, you're going to get your cream to rise to the top and you're going to have your, your couple of races that everyone is going to know about. And, and you'll, of course, you'll have newcomers as well. But, you know, I don't think it's an industry that's just going to disappear entirely. But, if, I mean, it will it will wean itself out kind of like yeah. the, the dot-com boom in the early 2000s. It kind of went huge. And then it bursted and the guys that were really good state. I think that's what's going to eventually going to happen to this is um, there's going to be a kind of when the smoke clears in the next decade, there's going to be the, the really good ones left that were able to provide a great product every time they had runners show up. They'll still be there and there'll be some of the other ones that will most likely not be. So do you think there, do you think there's like room for like, like regional? Is that kind of like where the future is? Or you, where you, like you guys, you're kind of keeping it geographic in your location is that kind of where you think uh, the future is, where you can actually provide a quality race uh, to a pretty decent sized locale, but it's not yeah. the whole entire country? I mean, I think, I think, I mean, not to not to be extreme. I think you'll always have your Tough Mudder and your Warrior Dash and your Spartan race, likely. I mean, those guys are insanely big, you know. But having a regional race like ours is, is I think, one of the best ways, you know, to p- provide a quality product and, and make money while at the same time, you know, sticking around for a while ones like us out there that, and they're they're some of the most there are elite. a lot that yeah we respect a ton that are that are really really good and they're doing the right thing and and i'm not even i'm not saying like tough Mudder doesn't put on a good product they do i'm just saying it's, it's harder to do 40 good events as opposed to, to 15 i kind of think of it this way as well when you're going on a, a 10 to 12 hour road trip there's not a lot of really quality clean gas stations with a great employee manning them but when you go to houston when you go to like tulsa we have a great Quick Trip uh, company here called Quick Trip. They have our great great gas station, but then regionally, there's a lot of like really quality gas stations, but there's not anyone that has a great gas station that's nationwide because they just kind of get run down. They get turned into the bathrooms are dirty. The guy working was shooting meth 30 minutes ago. No, this is I'm just generalizing, yeah. obviously, but um, you kind of the, the farther outside of big C's you get, the gas station qualities go down. I kind of compare it to that. Maybe it's a bad comparison, but just nationwide is really tough to do and stay extremely quality well for our listeners because we have a you know listeners who live all across the country are there some like other regional um, races like you guys like in the northeast or northwest that you're aware of um i i know in, in the, the southeast um and they're actually kind of getting into our area but um <laughs> don't want to promote them too much but savage race is they're amazing extremely legit they i would openly admit just because i'm an honest man they have better obstacles than we do um, and they're in the farthest west they are is Texas. They're mainly Florida, Georgia. I think they're doing it in Ohio now, but they do about seven or eight events a year. They went to 12 or 13 one year and they backed off now to about seven. And they're all really, really good. They bring their A game every time. Uh, for, I mean, I've never done one. I, I wanted to do Dallas last year because of a conflicting date with some other stuff I had going on. But they, they're, and they're kind of like us, they're six miles and they're 25 to 30 obstacles. So they're a little bit more mileage, but. Uh, then, as far as the southeast, they're probably the best local run in that Florida, Georgia area, and they do Ohio. 
I don't know too much about the, the West in, out in California, honestly. We don't, we don't research a ton over there. We, we do research, obviously, in the areas we're going to. Yeah. Um, so I'm not completely sure on that one. Uh, there was a good one in, in the Northeast called the Ruckus Race, and they actually, they're one of the ones that they were in the Northeast, and they were crushing it, and they tried to go, like, Kansas City, Texas, Ohio. They tried to expand way to the West, and it, one year they went from, like, eight events to, 10, to 20, and they went out of business. They've been out of business for, for uh, two years now. So they were a really good Northeastern one that was local and tried to um, kind of get too big too fast. That's why we do a ton of research and, like, kind of know who we are. Sometimes you're McDonald's and some guys, sometimes you're Five Guys Burgers. Yeah. And you just have to know what you are. We're just, you know, quality and small, and we don't want to get too big and force ourselves out. We don't, don't want to cannibalize ourselves and our marketing dollar. Yeah, very cool. So what's in the future of Conquer the Gauntlet? What can we see, uh, expect from you guys in the next, uh, in 2015? Well, I mean, the most races we've ever had, uh, the most runners we've ever had, and probably the most obstacles we've ever had, I would yeah. say for sure. Every year we increase our obstacles, and we usually gain runners, and we are adding events. We look to do six events this year, and then 2016 we hope to, to add to that. We're, we're really wanting to do a, a Denver-Colorado event um, in early summer of 2016 we're probably start, going to start in may and in june of 2015 kind of pre-registering for that and letting people know that we're coming that way um that's somewhere we, we really want to be um present that's a that's an awesome area we have a lot of a ton of friends that we know from going to college with uh in denver denver area colorado area that are, that are kind of begging us to come out there they think we'd be successful so that's that's what we're looking at doing but as far as this year just Better obstacles, better quality, everything. Uh, this year, this year we're doing uh, like actual finishers metal, like a metal piece of hardware you get. Last year we did like a finishers magnet because we thought our biggest thing is trying to be unique and different. And uh, we always try to put our 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 money we get. If we get sixty thousand dollars, we're going to give you sixty thousand dollars of obstacles. And if you need a trinket, you can go to the your local thrift store and buy one. But we that's why we didn't do metals. We were just trying to be different, but. You know, we also listen to our runners, and a lot of we have surveys on our website. And people said they really wanted the metal, so we switched from doing like magnets that go on a car, or a refrigerator, or a stove, and we're going to do magnets this year. So that's something that's definitely going to be new, and I think a ton of runners uh, are excited about it. That's something, and we'll always have the best T-shirts in the industry. Pretty, yeah, the, I love you guys. Do, our T-shirts are just by far the best. I've done the Tough Mudders, and it's just a. a got tossed a t-shirt that just kind of fits but we that's something else we, we want our people to wear the shirt so we'll have more of the good t-shirts more of the obstacles doing medals going to more cities and bringing more people so very uh, cool where can uh, people go to find out more about uh, conquer the gauntlet conquerthegauntlet.com is the website and we also have a twitter handle which is at conquer gauntlet should definitely follow us there um and then follow facebook our facebook world. page which is just conquer the gauntlet on facebook and we have an instagram yeah it's also conquer the gauntlet so same name, different place. Google Conquer the Gauntlet and you'll find us. But if you type in conquerthegauntlet.com, you'll definitely. Yeah. Uh, we, we actually just uh, uh, 12, 13 days ago, we launched a brand new website. If you haven't been to yeah, it, I know you ran last year. You should go check it out because we've got tons of new video up, pictures of every obstacle, all of our new obstacles on there, tons of quotes from runners at the day of the event, um, all kinds of new things going on. We're about to have a new page added to it probably in January called the Conquerors Community. And we're actually going to have our runners and uh, different event organizers probably vote on a, and have a Conqueror of the Month and give a T-shirt away to someone that we feel is 
really showing that they're a conqueror in their day-to-day lives. Just a lot of cool things going on that we're pumped about. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you know, uh, Brett, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of these companies run constant sales, so they might say the price is going up, but it's just, it's always the same. But with us, you know, we try to start it out at a price and, and move forward with the price going up to where people that sign up early get rewarded. So, you know, challenge everyone out there, sign up early. And uh, I don't believe anyone in Tulsa last year ran it in under 40 minutes. So if yeah. anyone thinks they're elite, come try to uh, conquer. Yeah, we, conquer we've got a 40-minute 40 club in, in Tulsa. If you finish in 40 minutes, I'll give you your 50 bucks back because you're not, probably not going to get it because there's so many obstacles. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, Stephen, David, main prize, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Good luck with everything, man. Keep being manly. Oh, yeah. Keep that beard. It's awesome. And you keep working on your beard. Yeah, I will <laughs> take it easy guys we'll see you around and uh, I'll definitely be doing the race here in Tulsa uh, awesome. this year so I'm looking forward to it our guests today were David and Stephen Mainprize they are the founders and owners of Conquer the Gauntlet you can find out more about Conquer the Gauntlet at conquerthegauntlet.com they've got a few races scheduled already for 2015 I'll be doing the one in Tulsa on August 22nd so if you're in the area I'd love to see you there and conquer the gauntlet with me Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And I'd really appreciate it if you could give our podcast a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is you use to listen to your podcast. That would really help us out because it would help more people find out about the podcast. So go ahead and do that. Until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.